Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Later in the show, Chief Executive Lan Chung Ying's first Q&A session in LegCo, and we talk to Under Secretary for the Environment, Christine Lowe, about who can win the confrontation between profit, growth, and the environment. First, though, a confrontation of a different kind. Increasingly at political protests in Hong Kong, demonstrators have been waving pre-1997 colonial flags and even, dare we say it, muttering about and shouting about independence. Both actions have riled some pro-Beijing figures and even mainland officials. None other than Lu Ping, the former director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, recently weighed in on the letters pages of the South China Morning Post with these guys who advocate for Hong Kong independence are sheer morons. But is there really a serious independence movement here? During the Take Back Shangshui campaign, some protesters waved a colonial flag. To some pro-Beijing individuals, the protests against national education were also a sign of anti-patriotic and anti-government sentiment. As were the suspicions the part of the Northeast New Territories were being developed for the sake of mainlanders rather than Hong Kong people. There is no doubt that some see Hong Kong's promised autonomy being eroded. The Hong Kong city-state autonomy movement and the We Are Hong Kongers and Not Chinese groups both say they are resisting that erosion, even if it means advocating Hong Kong becoming an independent sovereign state. They say they worry that the SAR is now directly ruled by the Communist Party and that integration with China doesn't have to mean eroding Hong Kong's quality of life and core values. For them, the selection of Lung Chen-ying as chief executive only increases concerns. Lu Ping, the former director of the State Council's Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, has twice commented in the South China Morning Post on the cause for Hong Kong independence. He said that those advocating independence are sheer morons and China would not be bothered losing this handful of people. Lu Ping's former deputy, Chen Jiu, during an autographed session on his book about handover preparation talks, said that the rise of a pro-independence force in the city is spreading like a virus and should be dealt with firmly.
，所以啊攞呢期出嚟激下佢咁解嘅啫，所以大家唔使太緊張咯。係特首，請問你有冇嘗試理解過點解會有市民喺香港回歸祖國十五年之後，仲會高舉呢支米字旗嚟眷戀港英嘅統治呢？你覺得佢哋係咪因為？香港嘅管治班子誠信同埋施政出現咗問題而不滿，抑或係佢哋不滿係中央政府國內嘅政治同埋施政表現，定還是係香港人覺得佢生活越嚟越艱難，揾食艱難，香港嘅核心價值受到衝擊呢？香港社會七百萬人當中，唔同人對特區嘅施政。對佢哋嘅生活，以至到佢哋對社會嘅睇法有所唔同，但係無論如何，都唔需要用殖民地旗嚟到表達佢哋嘅不滿。Other provincial figures are skeptical that there is a need for concern. On Wednesday. An editorial in the state-run Global Times said the notion of an independent Hong Kong was not even a serious proposition. It also pointed out that the so-called independence movement is far from being a mainstream movement within the community, and that no one had made any concrete moves towards it in either the political, economic, or military arenas. Beijing for Hong Kong situation 其實只係局限喺香港而家正在內耗之中。點解有啲嘢係民生議題，又忽然間變咗政治議題咧？譬如好似啊東北發展嘅情況，咁有一啲咧就係誒北京意想誒資料以外嘅，譬如好似話反國民教育，本來係一啲學生或者係誒婦女嘅家長啊發起發動起嚟嘅，點解忽然間又會變成一個全民嘅社會運動咧？咁北京亦都擔心咧，呢一類背後會唔會有外國勢力喺背後參與咧？咁樣。Well, for now at least, Hong Kong is far from independent. We have legislative and executive councils, and even our own chief executive. On Thursday, that chief executive, Lan Chongying, was in the legislative council answering lawmakers' questions. The chief executive may not want protesters to wave colonial flags in demonstrations. But in another context, he did say he was committed to freedom of speech. I myself very much support 我唔會就任何人佢嘅發言內容咧，係會出嚟誒公開評論嘅。陳偉宇，你立即離開會議廳。喺早前 ，pro-establishment legislators were keen to ask questions on the government's measures to control the property market. What they didn't want to ask were questions concerning the current controversy surrounding executive council member and property analyst Franklin Lam. Mr. Lam sold two mid-level flats shortly before the measures were introduced. Legislator Lan Guohong used this issue to remind the chamber of controversies regarding the chief executive himself. I 
，你就開咗個壞例，呢個林奮強，林屎就最強項，令到特區政府。江議員，點樣？你已經講咗好多個不同嘅議題。而家我問佢，根據基本法嘅第四十七條。香港特別行政區長行特籍區特別行政區行政長官必須廉潔奉公、盡忠職守。你自己答唔到個問題，令到林奮強賺咗成咁多錢喺度講大話。你提咗你答我，我而家再問你一次，你呢個成都市政府四大督幾時先至閉門思過？話俾我聽，你帶頭。你再講，你簽建嘅嘢。誒、呃，關於我屋企物業嗰個簽建問題，喺司法程序結束之後咧，我會開誠佈公向大家報告。林憲強先生作為行政會議非官守成員，佢事先係完全唔知道政府係會有嗰兩個印花税措施嘅宣佈嘅。我知道外邊有朋友問到話，行政長官會唔會喺開會之前徵詢過佢有關呢啲印花税嘅意見？我可以清楚咁答大家，係冇嘅。四督市啊嘛，我都俾佢啦。四督市。梁國耀，你坐低。That wasn't the kind of reaction Mr. Lung had been hoping for when he several times suggested that the people and the legislators should trust and support the government. A request that brought its own responses. 七百萬人持一格，互讓互諒嘅精神，先至可以讓政府發揮到佢嘅作用。誒，特首自從七一就任以嚟咧，好多嘅事件，包括國民教育、新界東北區發展 DBS 同埋長者生活津貼，佢立場都係企喺羣眾嘅對立面，讓香港產生個新嘅核心問題。就係、是、對客對特首你不信任，特首先生，你呢一種咁樣嘅做法啊，係咪將中共嗰種政治鬥爭嘅手法咧，係搬到嚟香港，以後咧同香港人同香港嘅立法會係冇得傾嘅，只有依你嘅方法去做，就係、是、唯一嘅出路。We'll be back. After the break. Welcome back. Hardly a week goes by without an environmental controversy making the news. Usually, they come about as the consequence of another government initiative a third airport runway, a new bridge to the mainland, more housing, even an artificial beach built on an existing. Ecologically rich coastline. For a long time, former lawmaker and head of the civic exchange think tank Christine Lowe has spoken up for environmental issues. Now she's joined the government as an undersecretary for the environment, and she's with us here now. Christine, now I know you haven't been in office very long, but when you took the job, you you quite、uh, prominently said, you know, you thought this was a way of actually getting things done rather than talking about them. Is that your experience now that you're there? Well, I certainly have to participate in many decision-making meetings, and also sometimes, well, the decision is ours. So, therefore, it is a new experience for me because in the past, very much、uh, as a legislator, I would demand things, I'd, I'd highlight things, 
And uh, as a researcher in a policy think tank, we raise a lot of ideas. But today, as part of the executive, we're there to make decisions. But the, the, the question is, how effective can you be? It's a great big machine that you're a cog in, as the cog. Yes, I, I think one of the things that I've had to get used to is how can this cog add value to the process? So I think the first thing is we do want to be very clear, or I need to be very clear, about what I'm trying to achieve in a particular policy. So one of the issues I've worked on for a long time is air quality. I'm very clear there what needs to be done. And so we can have a very robust and frank discussion with our colleagues uh, on this. And it's very important for them also to be uh, to be assured that the chief executive is committed to working on air quality. Uh, the minister is very committed to working on air quality. So I think that's an area where I think we can roll out policies that I think I can definitely stand behind because I'm going to be the person who's going to go out and lobby for them. It's a question of the machine, though. I think uh, you may well be familiar with this famous British TV program, Yes Minister, the whole premise of which is that the civil servants have a fantastic way of undermining what it is that the ministers want to do and their business is to tame them. Do you, do you sense that that's what happens here? Well, it is a bureaucracy and there are many people in it. There are many people who are extraordinarily knowledgeable. Uh, what I need to do is to both be a team player with them, but also to see where I think I can add value to policy making. And of course, uh, the minister and myself, we are the two chief politicians and therefore we have to go before the public, we have to go before the legislature. Uh, and you know, it is a partnership because I think for the officials, they also don't want nothing to be done. Um, they want clear steer, which I think is fair enough, and problems happen when I guess we're not able to give clear steers. I know, uh, and let me stress again, I know it is early days, but I mean you, you already hear, and this program has been hearing this from Green Groups, people saying, you know, we're so disappointed with that Christine Lowe, we thought once she got into office she'd do a lot more. What, what do you say to those people? Well, first of all, give us some time. Uh, secondly is, you know, when you have to make decisions, I think it isn't just about um, uh, advocating a certain, a, certain, a, a certain cause. We do have to look much more broadly. So, I mean, for example, uh, right now we have a situation of the Longmei Beach. Um, the Longmei Beach is uh, it's part of a much larger area that is ecologically valuable. Um, and I think some of the Green Group seems to think that we can take a fresh decision or we are just about to take a decision whether it should or shouldn't be a beach. In fact, when you look back, the decision had already been taken. So it's about whether the government as a whole, because the decision isn't the Environment Bureau's, uh, should overturn a long-standing decision. So, so you know, this is where, this is where sometimes uh, we, we have a difficulty. Now, another problem that I faced in just the last week, it's about landfills. Do we need Hong Kong to expand our, our three landfills? And the answer is yes. So, you know, I need to go and make uh, our position clear on this. And of course, some of the affected citizens, because the landfill is near them, they don't like it. But let's just go back to Longmei Beach, mm. because that seems to be a quite classic example of the sort of frustration people feel. There, there, there's one small uh, section who's pressing for the creation of this, the artificial beach, and then there seems to be this long line of other people who are saying, well, at least pause. I mean, you say the decision's been made, but, you know, it hasn't been made in the sense that construction started. So there is time for a pause, there is time for consideration, but people feel it's not going to happen. Well, 
the, um, the, the history is actually relatively straightforward. About a decade or so ago, because I had to look up the history, uh, and also the chief executive had to look up uh, the, uh, and my minister look up the history because we weren't there. So more than 10 years ago, the, um, the relevant uh, district council um, asked the government if they could have a, a beach in that particular site. So all kinds of studies and so on had been done and a decision had been made. And the final decision for government projects is of course to go to LegCo to ask for funding, which they also got uh, in the last term. So as far as the district council is concerned, everything is confirmed. Are you going to go ahead? And yesterday at the uh, district council meeting, again, they said, look, we want these decisions to, to actually not only be reaffirmed, but you know, to actually go ahead. So they're putting pressure on the government to say, well, you, you, you've got to just carry on doing this. So there's no question that it will go ahead now? Well, the district council have said, we still want the beach, although they did spend um, meetings talking to the, 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 the NGOs and heard their newer ideas of you know, how you might uh, uh, design a, a particular pool and so on. But that, this also raises the question, and, and you've raised it indirectly, of how much power the Environment Department has to really change policies that originate in other bureaus or in other departments. I mean, if there is an instance, and this may prove to be one of them, where it is found that there are serious ecological environmental consequences, how much power does the Environment Department have to stop those things happening? Well, um, let me give you another example where we have made a policy change uh, in, in air quality. Um, one of the things that I've been bleating about for years is that we hadn't linked, uh, or Hong Kong, the Hong Kong government, hadn't linked air policies with public health. Because if you've linked it with public health, it really requires all your measures to go much further. But are they going to have a significant impact on public health? So it's not just about a certain level of emissions reduction. You know, it's got to be significant. It's got to be pointing so that public health has a clear benefit. So what we have achieved is that the, the policy has been changed. Today, um, Hong Kong's air policy is going to be linked to health. So, that, so that's where we can make a difference. Now, with uh, the Long Mei Beach, uh, part of the issue is, is the long-standing decision. That's, um, and there are many other departments involved. Well, there's many long-standing decisions in Hong Kong that haven't been implemented. <laughs> but there are many more that have been. What, what, what do you say now is your priority? I mean, what is, is one project you'd really like to get moving? Well, air quality for sure. Secondly is we do need to deal with waste. Again, that's, I think, I think Hong Kong just hasn't done enough in the past 15 years, which, which has forced us into a, a, a position of having to extend landfills. And also, we haven't yet put in a full uh, first world waste management, waste disposal infrastructure in Hong Kong. So I think for this particular term of government, we just have to bite the bullet and face it. Now, on ecology, we do care Can very much about that. What does that mean? What does that mean doing? You, you Biting the bullet well, on that? We need to come clean with the people that we do need to extend our landfills. Because even if we did really, really well on waste reduction, with waste charging and so on, um, even if we did as well as people in Taiwan, or maybe we even do as well as the people in Germany, our time gap is such that we are still going to need extra space in the landfill. And then we have to deal with the issue of whether we're going to have an incinerator or not. Now, I, I think actually people do agree we need an incinerator, but we're going to have to say, well, what kind of technology, you know, what kind of incinerator do we need? So we and need to have a fresh discussion. Of, well, 
there are not that many choices. Well, Christine Bowe, thank you very much indeed. And we're going to leave you with some images of the devastation brought about by Hurricane Sandy to the east coast of the United States. Meanwhile, that's it for this week for The Pulse. You can find us if you can find your way to the RTHK website. If you want to see more, you can even download podcast or make your views, sorry, make your views known on our Facebook page, RTHK's The Pulse. We'll see you at the same time next week. Goodbye.